From 8th Street to 8 Mile Road, from I-5 to Highway 99, Podcast Stockton. The show all about the great life in Stockton, California. This is Podcast Stockton. Welcome to Podcast Stockton, episode 94 for June 9th, 2014. I'm Susan Spraker. And I'm Matt Beckwith. Welcome back to all of our returning listeners. If this is your first time listening to Podcast Stockton, thanks for checking out the show. In this week's show, Matt, you and Greg had a chance to sit down with Michael Kluster. Many people will recognize the name Michael Kluster as the keyboardist for the band Smash Mouth. Michael has some deep roots and some very deep ties to the local music scene here in Stockton, and we're going to talk about that today, as well as his upcoming show with the Mondays and Letter Blue. This song's called Give Him a Show, and I'll tell you it's about my moving to L.A. And while my wife was gone for three months, and I was taking care of the babies. So you ready? One, two. One, two, three, four. I've fallen in the trap of everything is bad. And then I turn around and try to escape from that. And I should have looked into your eyes and saw the truth. But it's all okay as long as I have you. You've surely been around and you always seem to know. What's the right road to take and just how fast to go? Today by Michael Kluster, the local musician 
most folks would probably recognize from uh, the band Smash Mouth, but he's got uh, deep roots and deep ties into the Stockton music scene. So, Michael, thanks for coming on the podcast, Stockton. Thanks for having me. So how long have you been playing music? Um, I started in fourth grade, I guess, technically, um, playing trumpet. Oh. And uh, I started playing keyboards. Well, I'll just tell a story. So basically, I had to, my dad said, I'm going to buy you a trumpet. You have to play through high school. I mean, a deal of fourth grader. It was like, it's ridiculous. I wanted to play drums. I was beating on everything when I was a kid. And uh, it wouldn't let me, which is retarded, too, because when you're fourth grade and you're a drummer, you get a rubber pad. Not yeah. a drum, you know, and you got a trumpet now. It's like, I never understood that. But anyways, so I played uh, through school, and I, I just did it because I had to. And then uh, when I got to Franklin, um, I, I don't know, sophomore year, I finally got in a jazz band. I was like, at least this is cool. I got to do this. This is cool with me, you know. And uh, then I was a little funner, but I still wasn't really that into it. Like, I just played trumpet, you know, um, just getting to play better stuff. I hated marching. I quit marching. Um and so, uh, my eight, my senior year when I was 18 years old, I'm, I'm really good at math. I was, I was always really good. And I was going to be an aeronautical engineer. That was the, the goal. Um, I was going to, you know, take all my prerequisites. And so that was going to go to college. I was ending my senior year and I was getting ready to go to college and Jeff Texon, who I was hanging out. You guys know Jeff Texon. I yeah. Do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we were hanging out some at the time and he's like amazing you know he's like this he was amazing then he he just killed it and so we're hanging out and one day he's like i want to start this tower power cover band and he goes you should play trumpet and i'm like okay and i literally i remember thinking of it like that would be fun to do before i go to college like something because i won't do it you know I'll, I'll never play music or whatever and uh so i did it and it was cool and fun and we had a i don't know three four piece horn section and uh and then we would hang out afterwards and party and stuff and whatever. And Jeff had this keyboard and he had drum sounds on it. And so I, that's all I was concerned about. So I would play the drum sounds, play with effects on them and stuff. And, and then they just started teaching me keyboards and it clicked, man. It was like really weird because I mean, I was okay at music, but I was, I didn't, I don't know. It was just like, it, it, it wasn't like when I started playing keyboards, it was like, wow, I can do this. And I mean, it wasn't immediately good. I was starting at 18, whatever. I had no fundamentals, but I could play it. Like I could kind of rip solos and I was responding to what they were showing me and stuff. And it was awesome. And, and so I started, so I, as I go into junior college, I started uh, taking music classes, but just for myself, you know, and then taking all my math and physics and stuff. And about... I don't know, a year, year and a half in, I started missing classes. I was, because I had theory, which is if you want to be a music major, but again, I was just taking it because I wanted to. You have to practice. I basically had the practice rooms and I would just play all day. And it got to the point where I was missing my classes, forgetting mm-hmm. to go, not just even, I don't want to go. Like, just go, oops, I just played for three hours. And so um, I made a change and I said, well, you know, actually, we're talking about Star Trek from a Star Trek episode. Uh, I don't know how much Trekkies you guys are, but <laughs> you're, probably are. <laughs> yeah. you're probably safe. Yeah, probably safe. I can tell you. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So the one where Picard gets zapped by that little satellite that's in front of the ship, and then yeah. he lives his entire life mm-hmm. with the food, with the woman. Yeah, and the kids. Falls in love right. with the woman. Right, and the kid, the son, 
uh, wanted to be Something a musician. He wanted him to be I a think. scientist. I think it's inner light, but I could be wrong. Right. But you know that one. And he had to let him go and go, you know, I understand that you want to be. And that just made me go, you know what? Like, I need to do what I want, you know? So what I decided to do was to study engineering, like recording, because of my technical aptitude. I figured at least I'd be studying something legitimate, not just, I'm going to play rock, you know? Hey, like, <laughs> so I, I just went into that. And uh, I actually started a recording school, and I didn't like it, and it wasn't very good, I thought. And um, but then I started interning at the studio that he held it at, and then it just kind of took off from there. I ended up just living there at the studio in the Bay Area. Um, I got ahead of myself because I. So basically, yeah, I started playing at 18. I lost my job at 21 because uh, I did a gig with Jeff on July 4th in Monterey, and we didn't get back on time, so I got in trouble. And, uh, and what was your job? Chevy's Mexican restaurant. You know? <laughs> Chevy's in Stockton? Yeah. Over on still, El Dorado. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I love. That was a super fun place to work and everybody was super cool. Um, but uh, I've lost my job and I never got a job again. Like, I I've, I mean, I've slept in my van. I'm like, you know, I did whatever I could, but like, I mean, I wasn't a bum, but I mean, I, you know. I just you were had, a struggling musician from that day on. Well, like the studio I worked at, I had a shower and stuff. So what I used to do basically was I'd stay there all night, and I hated being there when people came, even though they knew I stayed and they they were cool with it. I like would the cleaning people would come, and so I'd leave and just go sleep a couple more hours, like in my van, like in a park nearby, and just so it'd just I just get up at six, take a quick shower, and, and get out of there, you know. So started with uh, the trumpet. Yep. And then move to keyboards. Mm-hmm. And uh, what else do you, pl- you play more than that now? Yeah, I finally eventually learned to play bass. Starting to play guitar. This was a, an amazing thing to me because this like started me writing s- songs and singing, um, which is new to me. I've just been and, doing and it a couple is years. So the baritone ukulele. My original one, um, Jessica. You guys know Jessica, the photographer. Um, I don't. I can't think of her last name right now, but her dad owns Flashbacks. Oh, Jessica um, Berlin. Yes, yeah, I do. Okay. She, her parents had a, this other one of these, same thing though, in their attic from the last like, you know, hippie revolution, everybody had ukes. <laughs> she gave it to me. And, and the cool thing is it's baritone, so it's bigger. And it's like, a, I can't play, I'm left-handed. And I don't know, I, I just had trouble with guitar. I'm starting to learn it, but I could play this upside down and it's super thin and I could just play. It was way easier to play. So I just started writing all these songs. And it's, since it's like a guitar, not all tiny, it's kind of functional, you know, and um, and it was the greatest gift anyone's ever gave me. She just handed it to me, and it changed my music 100%. Like, I I don't know. It's, when did you get that? It's been a few years. I've done three uke shows here in Stockton. I don't know if you've ever been the, to the the ones that Jason put on. Yep. Over at the Impresso. Uh huh. And it's been one, a while since we had Blackwater. one of those. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember the one at Blackwater. Yeah. So not only do you play left-handed, but I noticed that you. Play left handed upside down. String it upside down. Yeah, bass too. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's just something I've always done, but I can't do it to guitar. So oh, so it's guitar it's you too, string it naturally. too fat. It's too thick. It's too many, and the chords are too hard yeah. to do. You know, so. But I've been like say working on guitar some, but. What What would you consider your primary instrument? Is it Is it uh, definitely keyboards? keyboards yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, this kind of writing tool. I'd like it to get better at it, but. Um, for a while, I was playing a lot of bass. I mean, we had this rock band, and I was kind of playing tons of bass, and I really dug it, but, I mean, you know, my bread is buttered with a keyboard right now, so, yeah. which is fine. I love playing keyboards, you know, 
So, Mike, who's who's your inspiration for your music? Uh, you talked about Jeff a little bit. Who, like who on a personal level, like that? yeah, on a personal okay. level. And um, so yeah, there's tons of them. Jeff was was my immediate. He opened the door to everything, man. And uh, I mean, we're best buds too. Like we are, you know, we're still good friends. But uh, uh, the next person that came through the Jeff, see, well, there's somebody, this guitar player that played with Jeff that was at the same time they were teaching me. This is a good Rudy Metza, Rudy Messa or something. But anyways, he was amazing. This this guitar player. Um, uh, uh, Judy Owens or Clipper, depending on how you know her. Um, she's a teacher at Edison for a while, a music teacher, incredible pianist. She kicked masses. The funny thing was, like, I kind of, at least in Jeff's world, I got, I got good. I thought I was doing better than I was. Basically, everybody does that. And like, but I, w- I didn't think I was amazing or anything like that in any way at all. But I just. I thought I, I was able to play whatever came my way, you know. I've been playing for a little while, and then she's mm-hmm. just like, "Dude, you don't, you're doing all this wrong." And so she was amazing, man. Just completely changed everything for me. Um, then I'd say my next, uh, Bob Secor is a huge influence on me. Um, he basically taught jazz band. I did jazz band at Delta, and I did his improv classes. And he he taught you what I call street theory, like like music theory that's applicable to the real world. And he's great. He's just a b- brilliant pianist. And I don't know if you guys know who this guy, he's the guy who used to play them all, played trumpet and, and piano. Mm-hmm. Um, he's incredible. Like really, really incredible. He's kind of the guy who put Flintstones in his jazz solo, you know, <laughs> but, but he's just insane. Like, uh, and then Donnie D, which was, uh, uh, a guy that I met at Delta. He was going to school and, funny that i'm 40 now he was 40 i remember being like wow this dude's 40 um but he he was amazing man don i don't know if you guys know him or not but he's he's this kind of soul singer super good jazz slash r&b piano player and he's just incredible and he kind of took me under his wing man it was funny too because like first time i remember he they had a little studio at delta and he was in there doing stuff and i was like hey man we haven't met a few times but it was like hey can i you know watch what you're doing and he looked at me and goes, I can't do it right now. I was like, oh, that's okay, whatever. And then I think within two months, we were just like super close, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, he's been a huge influence on me. He, he told me some pretty cool stuff about like being a pro as a person, like, you know, on the personal level of the music, as well as cool theory stuff and just put me in the right direction. I think almost all of the direction I go is kind of from him, you know? Um, even though I don't play with, like him at all couldn't uh trying to think of who else is a huge like kind of mentor mike torres it was kind of my first time getting a tour and stuff and that was amazing i saw that bill's music i saw i said trumpet keyboard player needed for mike torres band i was like that's me that's me you know and i was just at the point where i was like kind of okay keyboards but i was pretty good but not but i was still playing trumpet a little bit and uh and it was my end, man, because they had an amazing keyboard player, this guy Tomas at the time. And but I got to play like, like quite a bit of stuff, like all the funky stuff. And I would come in on all the stuff, and he'd still play. But there was a separate rig. Mike had a rig. Um, but we were doing. They had a bus. We were doing real stuff. I mean, we did like a tour to like Texas through like Idaho and Colorado, and we did a big show in Colorado with like twenty five thousand people. It was like a Cinco de Mayo type thing. Um, 
it was like I just joined this band and I remember the first time I went and seen them at Papacitos which used to be Chevy's mm. and just being like they're so good I don't know if you guys seen them play it Mm-hmm. They're amazing. And the tours band? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. We live in Stockton. <laughs> yeah. That was that was incredible, man. Um and then I literally played them with them up until Smash Mouth. When I got started doing the the studio thing in the bay, I still played with them and I would come home and stay at my parents on the weekends. And uh and mostly I gig every weekend with those guys. Like and uh I remember like being out uh, me and Tino, you know Tino too, right? From the Mondays, mm-hmm. he was in the band, and uh, me, him, and this guy Ernest, trumpet player, we were talking. I'm like, yeah, it's fun. You know, I wanted to do other things. Obviously, you know, it was super fun to play with them, and I'll cherish it forever. But you know, I wanted to play my music, you know, whatever. And you know, I complain about it, you know. And uh, I remember one day, uh, you know, when this this stuff started happening with Smash Mouth, it. Happened over a couple of weeks. Uh, it was weird. It was like, I don't know. It was like they were laughing about that. Like, you were trying this to happen, and it happened for you, you know. So, so anyways, yeah, that was cool. So why, yeah, why don't you tell us the story how you ended up on Smash Mouth? So yeah, let's talk about Smash Mouth. Um, uh, so what happened was long. I guess I just give you the story. Um, I did this. I have a friend at Tebow who's uh, met at the studio up there in, in Menlo Park, and he, uh, we used to make hip-hop tracks together. And he's really cool. He's a bass player, super awesome, great guy. And uh, we, as friends of his, we had, uh, there's this rapper, this girl, she was 13 years old. Her name was Reese Cup. That was like a rap name. Hmm. And um, she was, they were doing a record, and it was mostly being handled by this guy, Jason, who was kind of an underling of Eric Valentine, I don't know if Eric Valentine is the producer of all, most of the early Smash Bros. records and a very big part of like, what happened. And uh, he became, since then, he was in Redwood City. He's become like one of the most sought-after dudes in L.A. He's like huge, you know. Uh, and uh, and by the way, he did uh, the first Smash Mouth and the first Blur, Third Eye Blind, both unsigned, just bands that came to him in, in a row, like just right after each other. And then both obviously became triple platinum. And, you know, he was like on his way to just blow up. Uh, so anyways, so they were mostly handling this record. This dude, Jason, Eric some, but mostly Jason. She was signed or she was like on the plate of getting signed. And so Tebow came to me. He was like, I want to get a track on there, you know. So, so yeah, let's do a track. And we did this beat together and it was really cool. And we gelled together and she came in. She nailed it. And, um, and her song was... Uh, I don't want. I don't want to be there. I can't remember. I don't want to make a fool of myself. But uh, if I think of it, uh, she talked about being thirteen because she was thirteen, and uh, it was it was like a hit. It was it was amazing, and uh, and they actually had me. And it was their thing. They were like, play a piano solo in this middle, which is totally weird for hip hop. But she actually said like, play it, Mike, and like we did. And it and weird as that and cheesy as that sound, it actually really fit the track. It was a super cool solo, and it got the attention of Eric Valentine. So my song was the, now the record label was really into it. It was happening. My song was a single. Everything was golden. They were loving what I did. Um, And then the parents got scared and didn't sign the deal. And for, you know, they they were worried about getting ripped off and all that stuff, which is obviously, you know, possible. Uh, and so they, 
they don't sign and they wait and they wait and they wait and then they're like oh trying to freak out like you know okay we'll sign and they're like we're already over it i mean it was just it's more of an age she was an amazing talent but but it was based with her age it was kind of a gimmick you know just a young girl so anyways it was a super close call that would have been just amazing for my career i mean who knows i could have made a ton of money i mean uh and so but then uh i don't know how long later this would be maybe you know a year six months eight months um i kept getting these messages that eric was calling me and i kept missing him and my boss charlie who, who actually eric interned in under when he was a kid uh kind of knew what was up already you know so he uh so the smash mouth thing God, it's all this stuff goes crazy the smash mouth <laughs> thing is a really weird thing because that happens super fast like incredibly fast and to make that long story short is carson daly was their buddy he was a dj in san jose they used to play at his house whatever they made a record in san jose and got on bam which as an unsigned band it was kind of a big deal and they got played in san jose quite a bit people were requesting it but it never happened nobody got signed nothing just sort of fizzled out so that's when they went to eric they borrowed a bunch of money from their manager went to eric and recorded this record two weeks and um at the last minute the drummer insisted that they make this old song of greg's that nobody ever liked walking on the sun on it and then eric came up with the cool keyboard idea which basically is the existence of my job um and uh so they made this record, mixed it. Eric's amazing. Um, put their own cover on it, everything. Send it down to Carson. Carson is now working in L.A. at K-Rock. And he's kind of pushing his way up to be what, what he's going to become. And uh, he's living with the program director, this guy, Kevin Weatherly. So he gets seems like, yeah, it was my friend's stuff, you know. They just did it. And Kevin Weatherly, her walking on the sun, and put it on full rotation the next day, completely unsigned. Mm. And the boards lit up, as they say. And so the next day they had a record deal. And like a week later or two weeks later, they had to be on the road. Like it was just instantaneous hit, like overnight. And in fact, they got a great record deal because that came with a hit. You know, you don't have to do anything. It was, it's incredible. Nobody could ever have that story. I mean, it's just, and you have, you know, your friend coming up like that and whatever. So, so they went on the road for like a month and Eric went and he's like, okay, now I got to go be my famous producer. I just got these hits, you know? And so he calls me. So they're like, do you want to go out for, it was a good idea what they did. They're like, do you want to go out for six weeks? They couldn't even try anybody out because uh, they were on the road and I was just going to come in and switch them out. And so um, they said, come out for six weeks, which was this tour we're opening for Blur. And I, at first I remember telling my friends, like, because things were going pretty good at the studio, you know, I was like, man, I don't want to leave. Like, because it wasn't a ton of money and it was just like, I don't know, this band's going out, like, and, uh, they're like, dude, just come back, and I was like, it just didn't even occur to me, oh, yeah, I guess I could probably come back in six weeks if it doesn't work out or whatever, <laughs> so, yeah, I went, and I'm talking within a week or two of me being out, the news is coming in, we're doing, you know, Letterman, we're doing Leno, I mean, it just went crazy, and, and, uh, here we are, 17 years later. Wow. Old as hell. I think that's what I'm on. It was 97. Yeah, that's 17 years. In the fall of 97. So, yeah. It's pretty pretty trippy. Weird just kind of happened, you know? I think everybody outside of Stockton knows the name 
Michael Clooster with Smash Mouth, but everybody in Stockton knows Michael Clooster from some other band. Right. You've played in so many bands. You've had so many bands. Um, I mean, I've, I've seen you play with Gonzo, I think was the last time I saw you play in Stockton. That's me and Stan. Was, was thing, with Gonzo, yeah. the, uh, one of the Stockton's ultimate jam bands. But what, what, about, what about your first local band when you were first starting out? Well, I started with Jeff in the, in the, the kind of Tower Power, Earth, Wind, Fire cover band stuff. Uh, what did you guys call yourself? Touch of Brass. Okay. Um, then I remember playing with this dude, Ed, in his garage. They're all older than me, and it was like this cheesy rock band. And I had this little tiny keyboard. And that was like my first venture out other than like Jeff stuff. But me and Jeff would do like some other... We'd get gigs, and we'd learn songs for them, and we'd do stuff. Uh, then we started that band with Chris Saha. That's where we met Stanley. Uh, Chris Saha was this guy I worked with that uh, came kind of an older buddy. Like, you know, I was, I guess, just drinking age. And he was probably, I don't know how old we were, but, uh, you know, he took me to my first dead shows. He's just my bud. You know, I still know him and stuff. And uh, so he, I, he was like the dude that walked, he was a waiter and he was amazing and like super cool waiter, super cool dude. And he just come up with all these phrases that everybody would say, you know, like he was just funny and just, and I was like, man, you make a great singer. Like you're just kind of an attention guy. You're fucking cool. And so we started this band and that was, that was really cool. And, uh, that was actually the first time I ever sang too. Were you around when we did that? The party for Gary, I did, uh, a Beastie Boy song. <laughs> and, uh, what song did you do? Probably, uh. Maybe it was Fight for Your Right. Oh, my gosh. That's the first song you sang in front of people? I think so. And That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I can't, I mean, I can't go through. I mean, bands, like, I'll be honest. I haven't had a lot of luck with bands. Um, I mean, in the last year, in the years that me and Stanley have been doing stuff, um, I think, I mean, we put some really cool bands together. They all sort of came apart for one reason or another, which happens, whatever, but... But when I was coming up, I mean, other than like sort of playing with Jeff or playing gigs with Mike Torres or I didn't really, I would start bands, but they just dissolve. I don't know. Like I never, in fact, when I started playing with Smash Mouth, I, I never really could figure out how to play with rock guys. Um, although I did, uh, I played in a dream theater type band from these guys in Modesto. That's actually was kind of fun. But we the case, like it just, everything was just like, I didn't know what I was doing. And that's why I kept like, working in studios and stuff because it was like it's just so hard to rely on people you know so you it's like i want to do music so i'm just going to keep doing this stuff and i'll do that stuff too and and that's why maybe i won't get so upset when it doesn't work out so i mean i have a bunch of bands but i, I can't i couldn't recall them all now i'll go with the stanley era how did that all start they he started playing with jeff in a band and then i want to say how do you how did we start hanging out? It's, <laughs> like you started coming. I was working with that word stuff already. No, we were hanging out before then. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were like hanging out in the studio. We were friends from music world, but we were doing Jeff's album. Remember he ordered Jeff's songs. Yeah. That's why I was recording at your house. Yes. And we started hanging out and then, um, we had a series of bands. One of my favorites, the worst, um, and that's that was where I played bass. He played guitar. Tony the Hudson. It was the worst. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we, that <laughs> was really cool, but it it fell apart. So, 
Uh, second string quintet. I don't know. Second string quintet. That there, was a fun one. That was um, that was just one of the good ones out there. We had a band with Aaron, uh, Death Center, ex-husband Greg Skelton, which what was the final name of that? Sugarfoot. Sugarfoot. Um, that was really cool. We made a CD that was really nice. I don't know, and I did a lot of producing, so I, I just had this kind of loose affiliation with a lot of bands, and I played with them when I could, kind of thing. You, yeah, you had the 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 Monday nights at well, the Blackwater, but, but you were, but I was there. Yeah. You were a key player, yeah, a key, player. Actually, a keyboard player. Key? Technically, I, I, <laughs> it's probably it's probably not happening, but I was able to submit a couple of the recordings we did at my house during that time to the new James Brown movie, James Brown, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't know if they're quite fit what they're looking for, but they liked them, you know. So, but I'm not hearing back, so it doesn't look like it's probably happening. But that was cool. You mentioned producing, and you've produced a ton of bands in Stockton and acts and different different talent out there. What brought you to that? Um, how did you go from being a musician, well, being recorded, I, to recording other musicians? I was I was mainly up until I went out with Smash Mouth. I was playing with Mike Torres. I was experimenting with a few friends in the Bay, but you know nothing too solid was there, and I was working at the studio. And I was kind of doing my stuff or doing whatever came along. Um, so I was I was training to do that. That was So when I went on the road, I was like, I want to go record like when I get home, you know? I mean, one thing about being on the road is, you know, it's a privilege to have gotten to do this, and I'll never try to take it for granted, but... It can be a little boring too, you know, and you're out there and you can't do, especially back then. Now you have your laptops and things are a little more flexible, but back then it was like kind of prisoner out there, you know, just not much more to do than drink beer and play video games or whatever. So when I would get home, I really want to do stuff. And I had, a, um, I guess one of the first things I started doing with the Stockton bands was I, uh, record the shambles. And the first thing I did, which actually is a really awesome album. Um, I had a, I didn't have like a studio. Um, I'd just come home when we first started touring. I was, it was like all the time. It was crazy. And, uh, so I had this four track sampler, but it could technically be eight if I did them in mono, but it was, but it was not made to record (laughs) bands, you know, but I, but I was like, I have this thing. I had a mixer in that. And so I went to their house and they were like, we want to record this album. And I was like, all right, I loved Ernie. Me and Ernie have been pals. so I go, all right, we're going to do this. So I'm going to bring what I have. I borrowed a bunch of mics from like Mike Torres and different weird things. Um, and we uh, we set up in their living room and we recorded this album. And it's epic, man. It's not perfect. You know, it sounds raw and stuff, but it's really, really great. Um, and then we did a studio. So the next thing was, and I'd be working again or whatever. Um, they had a cool little run. They did some things, you know, they, they were kind of pushing a little bit, but, you know, uh, Ernie would be mad that I said a little bit, but um, they uh, so then when it was like another chance, I was sort of like home for a while. I was like, I want to do a full record, you know. They'd show me, they made a lot of progress, so I didn't know what to do, you know. And this was pretty much an interest project for me. I just I wanted to make a great rock record, and they were my friends, and it just sounded perfect, you know. And uh, I that's why I went and talked to Tony, who, who I hadn't talked to over at Studio C, and um. I hadn't talked to him. He's one that first introduced me to all studio stuff. And he was actually the singer in the worst. Um, and, but I hadn't seen him since I was like 20. Cause I moved to the Bay and then it just kind of cut off or whatever. Maybe I was 21, but, 
Uh, and I call him, so I'm like, at this point, I'm, I guess I'm 26, so I mean, it's been four or five years, but took him out to lunch, and I go, like, I just want to lay out this thing. I want to record this album. I can record it at my old studio in the Bay, but I can't get these guys up to go to the Bay, mm-hmm. you know. And so, uh, you know, what's, what can I do here? And he opened the doors for me and let me record an album there, which is really rad. Um, so, that yeah, I don't know. I mean, and then just everybody, I mean, whoever wanted to record, you know, just record. I love recording. Mm-hmm. I love doing drums. I love recording drums. Me and Justin have done over 70 tracks together. Well, Justin has been Anderson. in so many different bands. Yeah. We've done a lot. I mean, we were counting them for a while, and it was just ridiculous. I don't know if I could list all the bands. Uh, no, you know, I mean, yeah. that we're not here for your resume. We're here for you. You said earlier that you found it hard to play with a rock band. Yeah. So what do you classify your music as today? What's your style? Well, I'm totally rocking right now, but I'm doing things that, you know, I'm doing things that was It's funny to me because all I would have had to do is do them, and I... I just never saw myself as certain things. Like I never saw myself as a singer. I never saw myself as a front man. I mean, I mean, and this kid, yeah, I'm not, it's not like I'm doing a ton of shows, but that's kind of what I'm doing right now, at least on a personal level. And I, uh, I never, I, I just never saw, I never even thought I had a voice and it took me like 40 years to sort of, and it was this uke, man. I started writing these songs and they were just whatever. I just enjoyed it, you know? And then, but like when the worst broke up, Stanley was like, man, you just take over, you know? And, and just, and he's like, sing like how I sing now. He's like, sing like, you know, like sing like that, whatever. I'll, you'll hear it, I guess. So, and I just couldn't wrap my head around it. I could sort of almost do it, but I just didn't know what to do. And it's taken me years, you know, that's why I'm so excited about the show. Cause it's sort of completing that chapter, you know, but but I would write songs still, and I just I just been getting better. I've been writing a lot in L.A. because I'm I'm just I kind of in my studio a lot, you know, to do my own thing. So this this project that you're alluding to, the okay, you uh you call it the Clooster. you just call it Clooster, and this is your first solo yeah. project. Well, I mean, it's it's my songs. I've been writing them for quite a while, having all my friends playing on them. What it was was I. And this is the only time I get anything done was when it comes to like stuff I'm scared of. But uh, I I got asked to do um, why I'm going to be here for that week is I got asked to do this thing at UOP for Keith Hatchek that is like they have a music business apartment and they have this summer camp where they do all these like they work with different professionals and they break them off into groups and they do all kinds of stuff. And I've been asked to be sort of like the guest producer. So what they're going to do is on, uh, I think the whole thing starts on Tuesday, even though I go, I go on Wednesday on Tuesday, they get with some songwriter expert who I don't know who this person is yet, but, and they're going to break off and they're going to write songs like in little groups. And then these songs are going to be given to me and I am going to arrange them and record them with them and, and like a couple players and, and do it all, all one day kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty rad, you know. It's like I'm really honored, man. And at first, I was like, I don't know if I could do it because that's like my busy time, and I, I can't trust that I'm gonna not have a gig pop up. And uh, but I said, let's tentatively try. It. And then all of a sudden, this Santa Cruz gig popped up. I'm playing Santa Cruz, uh, June 12th, June 13th, Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, Smash Mouth. Uh, <laughs> Um, and so it was like boom. So then I asked Robert, the manager, I was like, what do you think? Is there anything going to happen after that? And 
So anyways, eventually locked it in. And so I have these local gigs. So I'm just going to stay here for the whole week. Um, and, uh, and then we were at Stanley were talking and it was like, let's do a show, you know? And I've been singing more. And I've been like, at first we were going to do some covers and, and then it was kind of, maybe it was going to be like a dead cover band or something. And I was working on some, some of my stuff at some point, And I was like, one night I was just like, man, I, this is what, this is what I'm closest to knowing. Otherwise I have to learn all these songs. It takes me a long time to learn songs. And like, I just think this is what I want to do, you know? And, and it was cool because it closes the chapter of like us, us finally formulating this band where I'm singing. Um, and so we just started planning it. And then I just started asking people to be involved. Um, and I sort of, we were just talking on the phone or texting on like, just like, what was the, the, our vision of a really cool show be? And it turned out, we thought like having Letter Blue and the Mondays, um, the Mondays we just finished the record and um, it's got a lot of great stuff on it. It's really, I really dig it so much. Have you heard it? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I got played a, some of it on the show. Awesome. Yeah. I got a, I got a little CD from Shannon be, yeah, uh, before anybody else. I think I'm, I'm super, super duper proud of it. Tons of keyboard stuff on it. So anyways, I was thinking, yeah, it'd be great to play their stuff. New record. Um, play my stuff and uh, get the letter blue out here, you know, because I'll sit in with them too. But I just think they're awesome, you know. Okay. Letter blue is... Snap, Jackson, and Esteb and Aguila. Mm-hmm. The um, extended walrus. The extended walrus. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I just started hitting up. You Would you do this? Everybody's kind of down for it. Um and then I guess I'll run through. So uh, Paul from Smash Mouth is playing bass. Uh, our guitar tech in Smash Mouth is playing guitar. And Stanley is playing guitar. And it's kind of cool because I knew they'd be cool and they seemed to be digging each other. And uh, yeah, we just kind of hang out on the road. And it was like, it'd be cool if you could do it. He goes, man, I think I will do it. So um, they came to town today. We had our first rehearsal. Dax, comp piece on drums. And uh, yeah, it was it was amazing. It was like a dream come true because like for the last month I've been like working on these tunes to make sure that like at least my part's done. But I mostly play them by myself. So in my head is like spinning about how it's gonna sound. What what should everybody do? And when we walked in today, it's like it's a reality. It happened, and it's exactly what I wanted. And everybody nailed it, and it's it's really cool. That's I'm really excited about this. That's very that's very cool. Yeah. Um, how many songs are in this? Are you are you, having, are you are you putting it to CD? Or putting it to um, I'm trying to, and I got busy the last couple of weeks with some other gigs that kind of came my way. But I'm trying to have an EP done. I don't want to do albums. Right. I want. I have a ton of stuff in the world. I have basically like two EPs, but the one with the kind of oldest stuff, I want to f- just wrap it up and get it done. And I'm hoping that I can get it. If I can't hand it to people at the show. Um, and unfortunately, I just have to be realistic. At times running out, um, I'm going to, I'll just release it, uh, internet wise or something. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm trying to get there. I'll go home next week and or tomorrow and see what happens. So, um, but it's close. Uh, but I have like a ton of other stuff that I just been writing new stuff, you know. And it's, it's like time to finish that. So all of this is just mostly because of this UOP thing. I'm going to be here a week. Let's do this show. Now it's like, let's finish an EP. I need reasons to do things. And now I have these reasons and um, I'm really excited about it. I'm like super stoked about what I'm doing. And today was the peak of it. When we, uh, when we get to hear these, music, hear these songs that you, that you wrote, what, what are we going to hear? Is this, um, you think, speak to you, who you are? 
Yeah, I guess, you know. I mean... What are, what are some of the songs that, that you think really are um, your favorites or the ones that, that hit writing? home? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd have to play them for you, but so I guess we'll get to that. But um, I have... I think I have, like, out of the set we're playing, I think that four of them are really good, and people seem to be really responding to them. Um, not that the other ones are bad or anything, but maybe they're more personal or they're, you know, not as universal. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But... uh but yeah, I don't know. I just, you know, I just write. I don't, I don't have like this, I don't have a huge vision. I mean, um, what I hear in my head, believe it or not, is, and it doesn't sound like this at all, but the Grateful Dead and the Cure. And I don't, <laughs> that's the combination that I hear in my head. Okay. But I do other stuff though. I don't know. It's hard to talk about music. It's just. You got to hear it. Yeah. Not talk about it. Right. What do you what do you miss about Stockton? I think the community, you know, there's a community down there. People are super cool, but it's just a bigger place. It's not that it's not the same, but you know, you see your friends and stuff, you know, and just go out to dinner and you see everybody or I don't know. That that I miss that. I miss our music stuff. I miss Stanley. I miss Stanley. Manny's <laughs> Manny's. Um mm, Manny Burgers. Yeah, you know. I mean, I miss, I miss Stockton. I mean, I'd love to not have had to move, but I feel like I did, you know, in my my position where I was in my life with two kids and stuff and whatever, you know? The great thing about today is that I, you know, maybe 10 years ago it would have been more of a hard move, but now it's like freaking talk to everybody every day, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I still talk to, I'm the only person that talks to Icarus Jones that I know about. <laughs> and we just call each other like, once every couple of weeks or three weeks or whatever, like super late at night, and we just rap about stuff. Rap? He, like he you hides. rap? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he hides out, you know, and like, I mean, that's cool. That's his vibe, but he, uh, but we talk. It's cool, you know? So, I mean, I still talk to Stanley all the time. Me and Stanley have an email thing on Facebook. It's like a freaking book. Keep saying that too. It's, it's, I find a picture I sent him and I have to go scrolling because we're just, just making jokes about everything. Um, yeah, I mean, I miss Stockton, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm going to be here a lot, you know, and that's, what's cool is like, I, I see like, we did a show. What was that last, last Thanksgiving, not this Thanksgiving. Yeah. That, did you go to that? It was yeah. awesome, man. Yeah. Why was that right? Oh yes. I made that picture. Remember? Yeah. Put a, actually, I put a picture of the space shuttle in LA on uh, little spinners. My buddy <laughs> low rider wheels. <laughs> my buddy Scrooge is a big influence on all this stuff because doing these gigs and seeing what he put together, uh, I was like, I could do this. You know, I can go and put these bands together with barely any rehearsal or no rehearsal. And so I I did something there where I did a bunch of music that I just wrote for us, kinda. And then we had who did the hip hop covers, which that was brilliant. I tried to do a Christmas show with all the hip hop Christmas songs hmm. with all the rappers around town, but it just didn't formulate and busy, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, so yeah, I look at it as like, I come back to town and we also like, we want to do this in LA. Like, I think that's the next thing is like, this is like my kind of safety zone. I can, you know, even though there's like so many people coming up from like freaking grammar school and, so it's going to be, I'm actually going to be really nervous. But uh, Do you um, get nervous before you perform? When I sing uh, and, and mostly talking in front of people. Yeah, insanely nervous. 
but Seeing playing on the keyboard you're just completely Never. yeah yeah it's, you're more back you know you don't have to personally engage and uh except for your flying finger kicks you know yeah, you got your fingers on the keyboard and your feet above your fingers that's pretty amazing yeah so but some I'm great still, pictures I'm, of I'm you not, i don't have to think of things to say you know mm -hmm. you don't have to um i i don't know what i'm gonna say at my show i I'm gonna, I, th I just want to be myself and I'm funny sometimes. <laughs> something stupid, you know? Um, yeah. Give so, it, okay. Give us the details again for the show uh, okay. on the 17th. It's Tuesday, June 17th at the Whiskey Barrel Saloon. Um, it's uh, the Letter Blue, the Mondays, and Clooster. Um, what time? Still working on that, but I think at eight thirty. Now that we're doing that. Yeah, yes. I'm gonna eight. say eight. Musician start time. Yeah, when, when eight, we're all there. Eight o'clock. <laughs> um, no cover. No cover. Nice. Yeah, just. And the whiskey barrel is right off the mile on, on Alder. Yeah, it's yeah. a great, uh, great, great addition to the mile. I'm a big fan of the one in Lodi. I'm glad to see that. Uh, yeah, we've been. Uh, They're doing a lot of music there. Quite a few times. Great, uh, great, great venue. So looking forward to that. What other shows do you have coming up? So we're doing Friday at Warlow's, uh, June 20th. And it's Gonzo Reunion. Gonzo is a kind of a total improv band. In fact, we even tried to organize uh, music a little bit for it. And it, every time we have, it's been a complete disaster. So we just, we're cool with that way it is. And But yeah, so we're doing that. I'm about to go on summer tour with uh, Smash Mouth, Sugar Ray, Blues Traveler, and Uncle Cracker. We did this uh, it's kind of a continuation of last year. It's called the Under the Sun Tour. Last year was Us Sugar Ray, Gin Blossoms, Vertical Horizon, and Fastball. And uh, it's really awesome, man. It was super great tour last summer, so we're all pretty excited. It's like two months long, playing Red Rocks on July 4th, oh, which Colorado is absolutely is amazing. That's an amazing amphitheater. Yeah, I've never played it, so it's like huge, oh. you know. June 13th, I'm playing Santa Cruz, which we already mentioned, so I guess I mentioned that again. Was that good? Yeah. Now let's do some let's do some tunes. <laughs> this next song is called "All Move On."
Thanks for listening to Podcast Stockton. We'd love to hear your feedback. Call or text our listener line at 565-3229. Email us at podcaststockton at gmail.com. Or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Username, Podcast Stockton. Yeah, and a big thanks again to Michael Kluster for coming on today's show. It was great to catch up with him. Hopefully all of our listeners get a chance to uh, see him perform live along with the Mondays and the Letter Blue. Again, the show is Tuesday, June 17th at 8 o'clock at the Whiskey Barrel on uh, right on the Miracle Mile. From the podcast Stockton crew, Rod, Manny, Matt, Greg, and myself, until next time, make it great, Stockton. Stockton.